Dear friends in Christ, people look for a prize all the time. You, do you want to win a prize? Do you want to win a prize? I think a lot of you do. Now, when I was little, maybe these aren't a thing anymore, but uh, when we get a box of Cracker Jacks, my mom didn't buy us much, but I think our grandparents did. You look for the prize in the box of Cracker Jacks. Wow, little plastic something, you know, it was pretty special. Or we would argue, I had two sisters and a brother, argue about who got the prize out of the box of cereal. Do anyone remember those? Now, theoretically, it would go to the person when it, you pour out the cereal, the one in whose bowl it fell. You weren't supposed to go digging down in there, but, you know, that was theoretically. Uh, but it was a big deal to get that little prize, whatever was down there. People, of course, look for bigger prizes. Go to the fair or the carnival, throw the ring toss or whatever, try to win the stuffed bear or whatever, raffle tickets, win the prize, whatever. Big sweepstakes, oh, can we win the prize? A little story that goes with this here. When I was in high school, my parents built a new house on our farm in, it's in nowhere, Nebraska. This is a current picture of it, actually from Google Earth, or Google uh, Street View, I guess. Amazingly, it's on Street View. Uh, <clears throat> it was modest. It was special to us. It was 1,200 square feet living space. Well, it wasn't real big, but it was kind of special to us. And my dad did a lot of the work himself. And sometimes some of the relatives or friends would come over and help. And my mom thought, I can't really do a whole lot to help this. What, how can, I, what can I do? And in one of the local magazines, there was a contest. The prize was aluminum siding for your house. So she decided to enter that contest. It consisted of, there was a black and white picture. You had to, as I remember, it had to match something up with that. And if you get them all matched right, then you could maybe win the prize. But the rule said, originality will be a part of the determining factor of whether you win or not. So my mom... She sat down and wrote a poem, praising the aluminum company, of course. She had us kids, I don't think I was included, I think it was just my sister's color, carefully color the black and white picture that was part of the prize, put it all in an envelope, mail it off. Sure enough, she won that prize, aluminum siding for this house. And she was proud, she was able to do something. Um, the last time I looked at it, that house, there was the light blue aluminum siding was still there. Now, this picture looks white, so I'm not sure um, what has happened since then, but <laughs> uh, it, it's been a while. But a prize, it was a big deal. Now, Paul, in writing a letter to the Philippians, the city of Philippi is in what is now northern Greece, what is, was and still is part of an area called Macedonia. He writes about striving for and gaining a much more valuable prize, knowing Christ and his righteousness and getting to heaven through Christ. Now, as we've been considering in our series, how to overcome temptation, of course, getting to a prize like that, there are distractions, there are temptations. 
And he's going to tell us about how we strive for that and avoid those things that distract it. So we're going to look at Paul's words to see here how to overcome temptation. One way is to look to the prize that we are called for. So we read in Paul's letter to the Philippians in, in chapter 3, What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead. Now Paul's striving for this is rather amazing when you consider his life. Uh, <clears throat> In the verses just before this, he details how he was raised a very strict Jew in a city called Tarsus, not even in Palestine, but in Tarsus, which was in what is now southeastern Turkey. He was raised as a, he was a genuine descendant, not just uh, some mixture, but a descendant of the tribe of Benjamin. One of the two tribes that was left after the uh, northern tribes were taken away by the Assyrians and never seen again, there was Judah and Benjamin left, and he was descendant of Benjamin. Genuine Jew. Uh, circumcised on the eighth day, which is exactly when it should happen. Brought up in strict conformity with the rules of the Pharisees, the, the largest and most influential uh, group of the uh, the Jewish faith. And that, that meant that, unlike the Sadducees, he did believe in God, and he believed in the resurrection from the dead, but had a wrong view of how you get to that resurrection. Uh, <clears throat> his parents apparently were well enough off, they were able to send him off to Jerusalem and there to study under the most famous Jewish teacher of the day, most Pharisaic teacher of the day, Gamaliel. Uh, and he learned about strict obedience to the laws that were written in the Bible, as well as the ones the Pharisees themselves had come up with. And he tried hard to, to keep all these laws. And then when he heard about some people who were following a wannabe Messiah, somebody who called himself the Messiah, which is what they were waiting for, but he didn't fit the picture the Pharisees had, so he wasn't a true Messiah. He heard about these people following this Jesus. Got to be stopped. Can't let this happen. Went out and tried to arrest them, change their mind, whatever it was. He was fanatical about his religion. Uh, <clears throat> have to stop this blasphemous teaching. But one day when he was on this mission, headed to a city of Damascus up in Syria, he was stopped in his tracks, knocked off his horse, bright light blinding him. And a voice from that, that bright light, that's this man he has been persecuting, Jesus of Nazareth, uh, <coughs> speaking to him, calling him to repent and calling him to come work with him. Wow, 
That was quite a change. He was uh, <coughs> led blind then. Uh, his whole life was just turned upside down. But he was blinded. He was led to a, a room in, in Damascus. And there he was left for three days. Three days to contemplate this upheaval in his life. This change everything of that he had come to know and believe and practice up to that time. It takes time to process that kind of change, doesn't it? He was eventually met by a man named Ananias who did some, gave him some preliminary instruction in the way of following Jesus. He was baptized and plans were made for him to continue his work to work for Jesus as one of his ambassadors. Uh, <clears throat> He was uh, <clears throat> later instructed in some way by Jesus. We don't know exactly where or how, but he says, so he was called and instructed directly by Jesus, made him a genuine apostle, ready to go out and, and work for him. Uh, imagine what it would be like to have your whole life, your whole system of belief upended in a moment. What if, for example, you found out the, the company you've been working for is actually a front for a terrorist organization. And you've put a lot of years into this company. Whoa, that would take some time to process that and change everything about, wouldn't it? What if uh, <coughs> you found out your spouse has been cheating on you since you were married? I once had a member who had that happen to her. Uh, <coughs> how would that upend your whole life and change everything? What if you found out the football team you've been cheering for has been involved in some scandalous uh, activity, some terrible activity? You know, just a couple of things that are like that. It would take time to process these things. Uh, <clears throat> but this isn't even as much as Paul had to come change his mind. Because there are a couple of things that are different. First of all, what happened to Paul, changed his whole outlook on his whole eternal well-being. It involved where he would spend eternity, this change in his thinking. There's another big change, another big difference. There was, he had something to turn to, something valuable to put in the place of what he had been believing. But still, what an upheaval that was in his life. Um, but the change in Paul's case was Immediate and drastic. Uh, all the stuff he had learned up to that day. He says he threw away like garbage. Gone. It's worthless. It's garbage. And following Jesus then. Uh, <clears throat> involved a dramatic lifestyle change. He would be traveling a lot. Uh, he would be suffering, persecuted a lot. Uh, it's very possible he had a fairly affluent lifestyle up to this time. Now he would just, uh, you know, be happy when he had a roof over his head and food to eat. Uh, a lot of persecution and suffering it was a drastic change. Uh, <clears throat> but he considered it a privilege and an honor to be able to suffer as his Savior, as Jesus had done. Uh, <clears throat> 
and he looked forward to being raised to eternal life. So he had concluded, knowing Christ and his righteousness is the most valuable prize in the world. Now, Paul correctly concluded that, um, that there is nothing more important than knowing Christ and his righteousness and the life that he gives. We too, it's good for us, you know, we believe that. Do we recognize it as the most valuable, most important thing that we know? The most valuable prize in the world. See, part of the problem for us is that what we have in this prize is invisible. You know, we have, our sins are forgiven, our conscience has been made clean because Jesus wiped it, it clean. We have peace with God. That's amazing, as a peace with God and assurance that God is with us, that he is taking care of us, that he is protecting us. All of these very valuable things, but not tangible. You can't touch them. You can't see them. So they can be easily forgotten. Uh, <clears throat> now, in Paul's case, we don't know exactly what his spiritual state was before this. Uh, he could have been very anxious because he was trying to earn heaven by pleasing God and, and following these laws, which you never can do. Maybe he could have been like Luther. Maybe that's what drove him to the fanatical devotion he had to that faith. But once Jesus came to him, he knew he had a prize, a different one, um, than, than before. After his conversion, he knew, I have the most valuable prize in the world in knowing Jesus Christ and his righteousness. As he was writing this letter to the Philippians, he was in Rome, he was actually uh, imprisoned in a way. He was actually under house arrest, perhaps chained to a Roman guard most of the time. But he had some freedom to go around, but he couldn't really leave the city or anything. Uh, <clears throat> and so, and that's lasted for maybe two years. And at this time, he had some hope that he may be exonerated, but he wasn't sure of it at this time. He could have even been executed for his faith at this time. But he was so relieved to have this new prize of knowing Christ and his righteousness, he was willing to suffer this. He was glad to suffer this for that. It was such a drastic change. Now, maybe for some of you, you, you recognize and feel this change because <clears throat> uh, you came to faith later in life, maybe after a time of spiritual struggle. Uh, but for many of us, like myself, I was brought to the faith when I was very young. I was an infant, baptized, brought to Jesus, and uh, so I don't remember that change. But we still, even though we don't remember it, have to recognize this is a very valuable prize that we have. Clean conscience, because our sins are clean. Peace with God, because Jesus has opened the way to him, uh, especially when we look ahead. Uh, <clears throat> we read the next part of our text. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize 
for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Now, while Jesus, or while Paul, was a practicing Pharisaic Jew, he had a belief that there would be a resurrection to life. Uh, But it had to be uh, an uneasy one, a fearful belief, because you never could be sure that you had done enough to earn God's favor. And that's true of any work-righteous religion, which is all religions outside of Christ. Uh, When I served in Indonesia, (laughs) I was uh, talking to a woman in an English class. Her and her husband had gone to Mecca on the Hajj. It's the holiest thing that a Muslim can do, right? And when she came back, I asked her, well, how was it? What are you feeling? Her feeling was, I would like a chance to go back and go back and see if I can do all those steps a little bit better this time. Because she felt she was not able to fulfill what even her religion called her to do, to be right with God. And that's their whole thing. You've got to kind of throw yourself at mercy and maybe he'll accept you and maybe you don't, won't, but you don't know. And that's what Paul would have felt as a Pharisee. But now, well, in the, as he's writing this letter, he knows he has eternal life in heaven. It's secure. It's a prize that Jesus has given him. And so he says, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Indeed, the glimpses of heaven that we have in the Bible are wonderful, fantastic, beyond anything we can imagine. Better than anything that's ever happened in this world since before the fall in the Garden of Eden, which was paradise also. Um, There will be absolutely no sin, no unkind, thoughtless words, no... uh, unkind deeds, things done in hate or simply thoughtlessness, no wrong thoughts coming up in our minds. Everything is peaceful and harmonious. You can talk to everybody and anybody in complete peace and confidence and candor, not worrying, uh, you know, somebody have a secret agenda, not worrying that you might say the wrong thing and, and spoil this relationship. Uh, <clears throat> you know, our sinful desire, our sinful desire to do sinful things, it's gone in heaven. We won't be plagued with that anymore. No more death, injury, disease, nothing. It comes from sin. Cities made of gold and precious jewels. Banquets, continuous banquets of the best food and drink and no worries of getting fat or unhealthy or anything like that. That's the heaven that we have as a prize from Jesus. We do have to leave this world of sin to enter that heaven. Uh, We will die and leave our bodies behind on this earth for a time. But then they will be raised to life at the last day, and we will go to heaven and enjoy that forever and ever. Um, Well, there's 
couple exceptions, and we're going to study one of those in Bible class. Elijah was taken up to heaven bodily, but he was, he and Enoch were the only ones. So most of us, if if Jesus doesn't come first, we'll have to die, leave this world, and then we'll be taken to that heaven, uh, and one day with our bodies also. But as we've said before, we are not there yet. There are many temptations, distractions, while we're in this world that can try to pull us away from this prize that Jesus has given us. So Paul talks about forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. Paul had to leave behind some well-ingrained beliefs and values that he had been growing up with for years when he received this gift. Uh, New faiths and new values. You know, nothing we do contributes to getting to heaven because it's all been won for us by Christ, but there are distractions, we can leave it. So the truth is, we are called heavenward in Christ Jesus. That's where we're headed. That's the ultimate prize that's waiting for us. So what now? Well, first thing, we throw out everything interfering with knowing Christ. Paul talks about leaving behind everything that would interfere. These old beliefs, those old values, uh, maybe a comfortable lifestyle, maybe some friends that were detrimental to his relationship with Jesus, anything like that. He left behind if it was an interfere in any way with keeping hold of the prize Jesus gave him. And we want to learn to recognize what are those things that are detrimental to us to holding on to the prize that Jesus has given us. Well, the first group is any and all sin. Any and all, anything that, that where we break God's laws, go against God's will, that will place a wedge between us and God and can be dangerous to keeping that prize. It might be uh, <clears throat> unknowingly, unconsciously, or in weakness. And those kinds of sins we will continue to commit as long as we're on this earth. And when we recognize them, when we see them, when somebody points them out to us, we don't fight against it, we, we repent. And we turn to Jesus, forgive us for those sins, and now give me power to overcome those things which can interfere with me getting, keeping the prize that you've won for us. Uh, we recognize them. The more we can recognize them, the more we can be on a more secure path uh, to heaven. Uh, <clears throat> now, there are other sins which are done willfully. God forbid that we fall into these because what that means is You say, I know this is wrong. God, get out of my way. Get out of my life. I'm going to do this anyway. That means you're throwing away the prize that Christ has given you to do this sin. And of course, that's a very dangerous thing. And continuing even in sins of of weakness and not fighting away from them, fighting them off can lead us down this path too. It's a dangerous one. So let us not get that far. Let us throw off everything that interferes in knowing Christ. 
But there are non-sinful things that can interfere with us keeping our prize. Recreation and just having fun in themselves, nothing wrong with it. But if we let it grow to the point where it now interferes with us hearing God's word, reading God's word, gathering with other Christians to reinforce our faith, then it becomes an interference. And we may need to learn to curtail or maybe even turn off some of those things. Kind of think of it like, uh, you know, when you're trying to lose weight. You can't just quit eating, can you? But you've got to reduce eating. Well, maybe sometimes we have, that's what we have to do with some of the things that in this world that have grown to consume us, uh, and we have to say, okay, I have to cut these back so I have time to be with my Savior in his word and with other Christians. Hanging out with friends that may try to pull you into their sinful lifestyle. Oh, that's another thing that can lead us uh, to let go of our prize. Now, it doesn't always mean we have to let go of these friends completely, but we have to be careful about what they lead us down and, and what we value is most important. Letting our minds be filled with frivolous things, maybe even sinful thoughts, uh, <coughs> filling them and, and losing sight of our prize. That can be another way that we need to throw off these things uh, <coughs> so that we can continue knowing Christ. Because we have something far better in front of us. And the other what now is we strain toward what is ahead in heaven. You know, our Lord blesses us while we're here on this earth. And he wants us to enjoy the blessings he's given us. Family, uh, possessions, uh, you know, things to do that are fun. Yeah, he wants us to enjoy those things. Uh, but we want to remember the far better place that awaits us in heaven and strain toward that. Push away anything that tries to sidetrack us from that. Let our Lord, you know, we, it's not that we hasten toward it. Not that we say, yeah, let me die so I can go to heaven quicker. Uh, well, no, we let God determine our timetable here on earth and serve him while we're here. And enjoy the blessings he gives us while we're here until the time comes. When, oh yeah, we now get to go to heaven. We never take off that prize that awaits us. Yes, we have a glorious prize in knowing Christ and the knowledge and the uh, <coughs> righteousness that he gives us and the heaven that will come after that. It is more... Uh, <coughs> It is more uh, a bigger prize than anything in a Cracker Jack box. It's more valuable than a house full of aluminum siding. It's more enjoyable than the biggest prize you could win at the carnival. This is the most valuable prize we will ever get. We want to turn away from anything that leads us away from this prize and turns us away from it and that leads us away from our eternity in heaven. This is the prize that is worth striving for. So we pray to your Lord Jesus, direct us toward this prize. Amen.